It seems to me like, Jess, what you're saying is that when you're enrolling one-to-one and thinking, I'm managing a single customer, it's manageable to grow your school to, say, 150 students or something like that. But when you make the transition to enrolling families, that's the ticket to scaling, right? Because you're nurturing an entire family. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio, and we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Seven Figure Music School. In today's episode, we're going to talk about yet another question we get all the time. How does a large school handle scheduling? And to help us dive in and explore that topic, we are joined by Jessica Tolliver from Brooklyn Music Factory. She's the Director of Families and Communications, and she's going to share with us her considerable experience in this area of how to schedule 500 plus, 600 plus students in a week uh, in a semester, you know, all that good stuff about scheduling. Uh, so this is a really important topic. Scheduling is one of those natural barriers that will hold back a school from growing. But before we jump into the topic, Jessica, I'd love for you to give me the 30 to 60 second summary or longer of how you came to be at BMF, uh, what you do, uh, what your role entails, all that good stuff. So welcome. Thank you. I often say, um, start by saying that Nate and I are actually married. So, um, I have been unofficially involved with BMF since the very beginning. A lot of, uh, the first students at BMF were friends of our children. So that's, I was always really involved kind of unofficially Mm. from the beginning. And then I started officially working for BMF seven or eight years ago. You know, we're a small operation. I do kind of a lot of administrative things, including, you know, one of the things that I've done since the very beginning is registration, talking to families, answering their questions, getting them signed up. I kind of continue in that role of kind of being a primary communicator throughout their time at BMF and support teachers, um, in their own communications. And then I do just kind of whatever kind of needs to be done, you know, facility, human resources, school-wide communications, that sort of thing. Cool. One of the things I'm really looking forward to talking to you about, Mm -hmm. and we're going to get into this in a few minutes, is just since you've been there for so long, it's going to be interesting to get your perspective on how things have changed around this idea of scheduling as the school has grown. I'm really looking forward to getting into that. But to start out with, um, I just want to get some ideas out there. And, you know, Nate, I want to include you too. We've kind of left you out here so far. (laughs) What are the typical ways that schools handle scheduling? Um, What are ways that Brooklyn Music Factory has handled scheduling in the past that didn't work so well? So I'd like to maybe just create a little bit of a list here of the various ways that across the industry we, we see other schools actually handling their scheduling. So thoughts, anyone? I could start if you want me to, or you guys could jump in. Yeah, I'd love to hear what, what you are aware of. Um, 
Yeah. So I can speak to what I did in my considerably smaller studio. And that is the studio kind of plays big brother and schedules all the students. So I collected availability. I got a spreadsheet out and I played mix and match with my students and their schedules and and found a way to fit everyone in. think that works for a smaller studio. And, you know, I was stretching the upper bounds of being even called a small studio, but um, with a, probably with a few dozen more students that just wouldn't have been a workable system. But I know that's a way that a lot of schools handle their scheduling. Curious what you all have done in the past that didn't work so well. Well, we, when I joined and started doing the scheduling, I think we were doing something very similar. Um, Mm -hmm. though we, we had spreadsheets. We offer, um, one of the things that I think has always, you know, factored in is how to, um, there was a time where we scheduled the way we handled the scheduling for our private lessons, was different than the way we handled our scheduling for our group classes. Um, Hmm. so the private lessons were in, um, scheduling software, um, SAS, and I can't even remember the name of it. Nate, do you remember the yoga studio one? Yeah. I used to be called music teachers helper and it's now changed hands. And I think it's called harmony or something. Daniel and I were talking about that in a recent episode, but yeah, that's interesting. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. We used different systems based on what service they were they were asking about. Yeah. Oh, and, then, wow. and then we had our, so the private lessons were there and the group classes were in a spreadsheet. And then we started using a spreadsheet for group classes and a spreadsheet for private lessons, but they were still separate spreadsheets. Um, and we did that for a long time and we just got bigger and bigger and it got hairier and hairier. Um, and it was always time consuming, but when we had fewer students to deal with, it was manageable. And then it, it increasingly became less manageable. Mm. So. I was going to add one thing. This is from pre your time, Jess. What's interesting is when we, when I, when we started BMF, one of the very first people I hired was like a, one of these like web expert It was just like this young dude who knew everything about the internet, which was still sort of semi curious at that time in 2009 or whatever. Like, and so the very first thing I did was hire him to help me with a WordPress site. And we built like a click and buy calendar version, which is fascinating to me because I quickly discarded that once I realized how buggy it was and how many issues I had with parents clicking on the thing, but then not really, um, you know, maybe buying multiple classes at once or anyways, the point is, is that we started from this area where I think, Daniel, we hear a lot of school owners aspiring to. And then we kind of like so many uh, stages of kind of growth in a, in a school, we actually backpedaled. We, then we adopted somebody else's software, which we used for a while, but then, you know, the real resistance point we had with uh, music teacher's helper at the time was it really wasn't built for group class enrollment. And so we just mm. started getting really frustrating. We had all these hacks and workarounds to make it work. So eventually we just ended that, closed that down. And as Jessica said, where we are or where we were at the, that point in the story is like separate spreadsheets that were essentially barely manageable. And you're not even mentioning Jess, you, you failed to mention that we also had camp which is like a version of group class, which had its own spreadsheet. And by Mm. 2017 and 18, that was 
we were enrolling 250, 300 students or 400 students just in camp alone that we were having to manage the schedule on. So anyways, I thought I'd give a little perspective on that because Daniel, you also asked the question, like what doesn't work or what hasn't yeah. worked, whether or not there's a long-term solution. But one of the things we did, and Jessica, you remember, we also tried another tool called Sawyer, which is an awesome, awesome tool for what it does. And started by these two uh, really awesome women here in Brooklyn that started this thing called Sawyer. Um, but we were always trying to figure out, can we crack the code on a click and buy to solve our scheduling issues, which was really actually what I wanted to happen. I just wanted hmm. to relieve the scheduling pressure. But anyways, we continued to test it and then decide against it. So yeah. I just thought I would throw that in back to you, Jess, on, or Daniel, on the development of an improved scheduling yeah. system. <laughs> I would I would say that our biggest hurdle, and I, I was thinking about Sawyer too when you were talking, it's a great uh, service that I that I... I believe a lot of families use. Um, but it, at the time that we tried it out and now it's been a couple of years, it was really designed for kind of a drop in class sort of model. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and we are, you know, our, our families are signing up for regular weekly classes or lessons and it, it wasn't really, it didn't lend itself to that well. And I think that was kind of the overarching thing is that, you know, we looked at various tools, um, but none of them really, did, you know, met kind of our specific set of needs. It would meet like part of it, but not another part of it. And so that's how we ended up kind of cobbling together our own system. Okay. Did Brooklyn Music Factory ever try a system where the teachers scheduled their own students? Um, yes. And I, and Nate might be able to speak to this a little bit and it, it what happened before I was doing registration myself. Um, and our teachers still do a little bit of scheduling themselves. You know, they're, they're obviously in, in contact with their students, you know, and have really strong relationships with the families. Um, so hearing directly from a teacher about that kind of thing. Um, and they're already talking about, you know, it's the end of the lesson and they're talking and it's time to sign up for next year. And, um, mm. it's just a really natural way to do that. And so, Teachers have do that, but they turn it over to me. You know, they'll like start the conversation mm -hmm. and and then send an email and say, you know, ceasing both of us and saying, you know, Zachary is interested on Wednesdays at my Wednesday four thirty spot, and then I um, complete the registration. And part of that is because our teachers, you know, the way our well, I, I think the biggest reason is they don't, a teacher knows, doesn't have as much big picture information. You know, a lot of our students are signing up. They either have, you know, siblings who are both signing up or they're a kid who's trying to sign up for a private lesson in a group class. And the teacher only knows their own schedule, but they don't have the information to schedule everything else. So it always ends up kind of with me anyway, because I'm the, I have the view of everything. And so... Um, yeah. that's really the primary reason teachers don't do it all or not. Okay. Really one of the that's helpful. So they're instrumental, but, but it, it doesn't fall on them. Okay. Uh, so they also, I will say teachers hate it. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> that is a, you know, beyond that first, like 
kind of conversation about like a day or a time that might work. Once they get into the weeds of a scheduling conversation, it it's, you know, like a, you know, a can of worms. And I think mm-hmm. they very quickly get turned off and it's not what we hire our teachers to do. And it's, um, and so it's not a good use of their time. We, we tested, as you know, and not surprisingly, we tested all kinds of systems to try to empower the teachers to be this sort of chief communicator. And, and, and there was a, what was the year, Jess? It was like 2018, 19, when we really like doubled, tripled down on this idea of giving them everything they needed to be able to see not only their own inventory, but other teachers' inventory, and then be able to communicate effectively and, and schedule. And I know Jess will get into this because we're going to get to like Airtable and the kind of systems we currently use and, and where we've arrived. But but the point is, is that I just want to double down on what Jess said. If we think, and Daniel, you and I talk about this all the time, is that if we think about the teachers as being instrumental in the delivery on promise, they are here, like I as a teacher, because I don't do scheduling of my students, you know, I just, but I'm as a teacher and my relationship with the parent is around nurturing that student for seven to 10 years along their music, uh, along their journey. And yes, scheduling is one of the pieces, but if, but at, at BMF, we've built a team where I can hand it off to Jessica and that family also feels nurtured on the scheduling piece, but then I stay in my lane as a teacher. And I think that was a hard lesson for us to learn because we literally had teachers use language like, well, now I feel like I'm in sales. And we were like, okay, this is not the message we want to send at all. We just want to ensure that that you're going to see your student for seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. So we have a the opportunity to serve them as we promised, you know, um, it's, it's not about, you know, so I just kind of wanted to add that, that it's not that we didn't try, right, Jess, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> and then we realized, wait, this is just giving, this is actually distracting the faculty from where they serve the student the best. Okay. So knowing how much BMF is a purpose-driven school, and this is a theme that has shot been shot through this podcast, it makes complete and total sense to me that you would want to keep their focus on that. It's actually a misappropriation of that resource, that human resource, to take them out of their lane. It makes complete and total sense. And the reason I highlight this is because I can think of emails I've gotten within the last month or two from friends of the podcast or former clients who mm, perhaps their school has grown uh, and they're asking the question, should we do a teacher uh, centric scheduling system? Because they're growing, they're scaling. Here's why I bring this up. Because (laughs) I don't feel bad saying this. If BMF tried it and said it doesn't work, I would probably just recommend most schools don't do that. <laughs> you know, maybe there's the exception out there that has a really great uh, system in place and it works for you. And maybe you do want your teaching staff to, to serve that purpose for you. But, you know, spoiler alert, I, I kind of know where, where you what you all do for scheduling And so I know that it's effective. And I would just say that anyone listening to this, if you're weighing all these different models, I'd say that what's going to, what you're going to hear in the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, this is probably 
the most airtight system you can put into place, then I would I would pose the question to you all again. Uh, if all these ways don't work and, and there are greater purposes that you can use the teaching staff for, what is it that works? What has BMF put into place that has worked so well after trying all these various systems and finally deciding on something and settling on something that you're really happy with? Well, we have, so the system we are using right now is something that has evolved, uh, over the last couple or maybe five years now. Um, and I, uh, so we use Airtable um, for our scheduling. Um, and it's, you know, we have an inventory Airtable that is all of the available spots. Like when we, um, you know, hire a teacher and they're scheduled to work from three to seven or eight on a Wednesday, we put them into the inventory and we label it as, you know, a piano lesson or a drum lesson or, you know, band class. Um, and then we, um, and then we just start booking. Um, we, when we first started using Airtable, it was really just a, a better version. It, we used it internally only, and it was a better version of the spreadsheet system that we had used for several years before that. Um, it was really just a place to see all the availabilities and to plug students in. Um, it was better than a spreadsheet because Airtable has really great sorting features. So we could, you know, if a student, you know, there's a family who wanted a piano lesson for one kid and a drum lesson for another, um, we could just sort or filter to see those or, you know, or a band and a, you know, anything we could sort by teacher or by class or by location and see what's available. Um, but we're still doing a lot of heavy lifting internally kind of looking at what was available and then sharing it with families, um, the options, and then they would tell us what they wanted and we'd plug it in, um, manually. Mm. So, well, let me ask a question then, because you're talking about Airtable. It sounds like just even in kind of the way that was described, it still sounds like that BMF is doing a lot of the work. Is that what's going on? Like, are, are you still doing a lot of the work or is, is there a fundamentally different approach that you're taking to it? So we've evolved, you know, and, and, and it's been gradual, but what we are doing this year and it is, you know, I, by far, I, I, the most successful scheduling system we've done is we've make those air table views, um, public, Um, Mm. and so either through a link that they receive in an email and also through our website. And so a family can see what's available at any given time. And then there's functions built into those air table views, those public air table views where they can click a button and request a spot and fill out information. And even, um, it'll take them to an order form and they can pay a deposit. Um, so Wow. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's really transformed, um, the process and it, it does the, I, I still, um, you know, it, families are able to do for themselves like 50 to 75% of what I did before. Wow. And I think they like it better. You know, I think it's not, I think it's, mm. it's better for them. 
And I wanted to add one piece because you mentioned internal views versus external views. One thing that we have done and really invested in getting back to our teachers, oftentimes I feel like I'm an advocate for the teacher being one myself, trying to make sure that they're focused in a way that they can do their best work each week at BMF, is that we give them the view too. So for, for, for example, they can always see what inventory still remains that's bookable. They can also always see what's been booked in real time. Um, so they have access. So we train them on how to look at simple Airtable views. We'll literally do that this Friday in our training days. Jess, we'll, we'll be giving them Airtable views of all their enrolled students and then sorting certain information. We'll be training to something different than enrollment. But the point is, is that they feel empowered when they can find their schedule, not only the existing current schedule, but also the requests being made and also like what's still available that we're trying to book. Because Jess, I think this is one of these pieces around scheduling that we hear. And I know, Daniel, you'll likely bring this up later uh, in this episode, but a pain point for teachers as they're starting their year is planning their year. They may only be 50% booked right now, and they want to know how soon they'll reach 100% booked. Mm. right? Because they're investing in BMF's future, just like we're investing in their future. And so they need to know that. And, and I think that's been really powerful for you, Jess, to be able to, with a couple clicks of a button in our registration system, say, well, we've got an X number of requests for you over the last week, plus you're 75% booked already. 25% of those just aren't on your public schedule yet. You know, there's this kind of ability for you to communicate with the teachers in a way that we didn't always have. It was always like, just have faith. Give us a few months, right? Hmm. Um, so I wonder, Jess, if that, if that resonates at all with you, this idea of teachers being able to have a better grasp on their future and present, given the system we have. Yeah, for sure. They can, they can see... Um, their schedule, what's booked and what's not. The other thing I think another kind of stage that it's these internal teacher views are really useful um, is at the end of the year um, when we're re-enrolling for the uh, upcoming year, um, they can look and see who of their current students have signed up for the following year. Um, and, and because of these strong relationships the teachers have with their families, you know, they'll see someone maybe that hasn't signed up yet. Um, and they're surprised by that because it's a really committed student. They have a great relationship and they're looking forward to continuing working together and they'll see that and then they can check in and ask. And it's, um, rather than kind of waiting to hear, you know, sometime in the summer, like what their schedule is going to be or who's signed up, um, they can see. And I think that they, um, teachers really like that. And, and it allow it facilitates a conversation between the teachers and their families. Um, that's really natural. They're still not doing kind of the administrative sort of scheduling stuff very much, but it, but they are, um, just having those relationship building conversations. Mm. Okay. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS 
and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. Let me reflect back what I feel like I've heard. <laughs> Family gets sent a link. They go to these uh, this kind of custom view that you've laid out. It's the external view. They pick the time that they want to do their you know, lesson or their band. Um, they choose that. They get that quote unquote click and buy experience that Nate had been chasing for over a decade. Uh, and they're booked in and it's doing 75% of the work that you had been doing before and trying to manage it. I mean, even at one time, 670 students in the school, um, and, and so that's kind of the complete system. So it's really the system is not studio schedules the students. It's not teacher schedule the students. It's really the family schedule the students. They schedule themselves. Is that fair to say? Yes. I, there's a final step that I've always mm-hmm. done and I continue to do, but now I, and it's the most time consuming step, but now I have a lot more time to just focus on this, um, and which is, you know, I, I've said this a few times that we have, you know, it's, it's very simple when we have a family that has one kid who's signing up for one 30 or 45 minute lesson, but it be, it very quickly becomes more complicated when they have two kids or, um, a kid who's doing both a band and a lesson or both, you know, we have many families who are signed up, have two or three people signed up for a total of three or four or five lessons and classes. And they're trying to coordinate all of that. And, and we really try to, um, facilitate that for them. You know, we, um, they're, they're making a big commitment to BMF and we want to make that as easy as possible. So, you know, that means, you know, hopefully they're, they have their kids' lessons are close to the same time rather than one at four and one at six. And they have like an hour and a half in the middle to kill. So I spend a lot of time once these requests come in, just sort of shuffling things around to try to get the best solution for the most families possible, you know, and, Mm. um, not everyone gets exactly what they want, but I work really hard to get everybody as close as possible. Okay. Interesting. So that's the, that's where I'm spending my time. And I was always spending time doing that, but now I really can focus on just that rather, you know, before I was like looking at the schedule myself and saying, you know, typing up an email saying, these are the times that there's a band. These are the times that are a jam, you know, a, pri- a piano lesson. And, um, and so it was just gathering the information and presenting it to them. And I don't have to do that anymore. Well, let me ask a follow-up question. So again, there's, studio schedule students, teacher schedule students. Now we have this model of family schedule students themselves. Um, if this is the best way, so to speak, or at least a really successful way for you all, I want to maybe just briefly dive into the question of why don't more school owners use this option? I, I think on the surface, it makes a lot of sense. It Instead of one person being responsible for 200 or 300 or 500 or 600, uh, spread, spread the load, so to speak. So intuitively it makes sense. Why don't more people do that? There, there probably has to be a reason that more people don't see this as a viable option. Is there a reason why BMF didn't start out doing it this way initially? 
Oh, I know exactly why we didn't do it. Mm. Um, it is, we didn't trust, uh, families to do it properly. Wow. You know, it's, it, it is, it's a very complicated process. You know, it's a whole lot of puzzle pieces that you're shuffling around to make work. And, um, you know, there was a, another person, Hillary, who was at BMF for a long time. And she and I worked on this a lot together and we would talk and we were just like, uh, you know, the, you know, a family, we just worried about somebody, you know, signing up for some, a spot that wasn't available or trying to get a spot with a teacher who, you know, who has really no openings because all of their students are returning or signing up for a band, um, that wasn't the right, you know, the right age or, you know, and then having to spend us having to spend a lot of time kind of fixing these sort of these mistakes. Um, and it took, it was like kind of a leap of faith to just let people do it. And, and, you know, I, I said, I still sometimes have to go back to people, you know, I, I, they request something and we very specifically call it a request. We don't say that they're registering. We say that they're requesting a spot and then they'll get a confirmation, um, with the details. And if, if I need to make a change, I'll communicate with them before confirming. Um, but, but what we've discovered is that, you know, um, nothing, it's the same conversations that were happening before. Some people want something, um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, we just have a conversation and about, um, you know, that spot actually was already booked by a returning student, but we have this other great teacher at the same time or half an hour later. Um, it, it happened and it's, it's, the amount of money we're saved more than makes up for like the handful of conversations we have to shuffle the, you know, to make changes. Yes. Okay. But still, I think that basic concept there at the core was that there had to be a leap of faith. And the reason there had to be a leap of faith was that, well, how did you put it? You just said something that was just such a, I think we didn't trust the families to do it, do it right. (laughs) We didn't trust the families to like, we thought they'd, because I think we thought that they would, I mean, not out of any sort of, um, malfeance or, you know, and nothing like that, but just that they wouldn't understand our system enough. Our system was so confusing that if somebody from outside of it was trying to like book, you know, schedule something within it, it would just be messy. It would be too messy. Jessica says the system's so complex. I think that it's important to clarify what you mean by that, Jess, because because your perspective in your role, uh, you know, you didn't actually engineer the Airtable, right? Somebody else right. within the team engineered the Airtable and built it. But I'm curious what you mean by quote the system so complex. Yeah. I don't mean the tools or the actual the booking system. I just mean the the puzzle pieces of scheduling. Mm. I mean, scheduling yeah. is complicated. It's the most um, you know, in my, my communications with families, the two most stressful things to families are scheduling and money. And I think in our market, scheduling is a lot of the time more stressful than money. Um, so, you know, there, and a family's just trying to schedule, you know, two kids and we're trying to schedule 
three or 400 kids. And, um, it's just, it's just, that's what's complicated is that Mm. is the puzzle and making it all work. There are tons and tons of studio scheduling softwares out there. Uh, Mm. new ones are added every year. I can think of a couple that I became aware of this year that are joining in the fray. I've had people come to me privately and say, Hey, we're thinking of doing, uh, um, like I have this really unique way that I've done it for my large school. And I'm thinking of kind of putting my way out there and starting. So there's so many different ways of doing it. You all said no to all of them. You used and kind of designed a custom system inside your school. I'm curious why, um, why Airtable over all these myriad of options out there? Um, well, I, I think there are a couple, there are probably several reasons. I will say one, I mean, I think just kind of built into our DNA is like figuring it out ourselves. <laughs> um, mm, you know, I think that's just, that's just <laughs> who we are as an organization. Um, we're quite certain we can come up with something better ourselves than something that exists out there. Um, that said, Airtable, and, and I've, we, we've been using it for a number of years, um, as I said, and we, we, we've just built on how we use it steadily for that entire time. And one thing, and Nate can probably speak in a lot more nuance than I can about this, but you know, the registration is the starting point of uh, how we use, um, Airtable for a student. Um, once they're enrolled, you know, Ben, who's the director of private lessons, you know, uses that same air table and kind of filters and sorts so he can kind of, uh, plan the songwriting parties and who, who's on which interest instrument and the song, you know, song parts that are needed and all that kind of information. And, um, we do, um, you know, that's one example. I think there's a lot more that's happening. So it, it, it sort of connected, um, these two parts of the, the start and the, uh, the registration and the experience of being enrolled seamlessly. And we use it for all of it. And I would, if I were to reframe that in language that Daniel and I use all the time, Jess, like in the sales and marketing bucket, people enter into BMF through some version of a form and get into Airtable right away. So that's your world, right? The sales side, the marketing side, and then they stay in Airtable into the delivery on promise bucket, into all the operations in bucket number three. Like they, we use Airtable f- to make sure that we are being as efficient as we can with all of our enrollments and our families in each one of those buckets. You know, so um, I think that's a really good add-on to it. Um, that it wasn't just out of nowhere that we decided we're just going to design our own. Though I do agree that this is a cha- this has been both an opportunity and a challenge at BMF. It's one of the reasons why we make such great curriculum that schools use everywhere, and it's also part of the reason why sometimes we get stuck trying to uh, design something that already exists. Anywho, um, Daniel, can I share a little data piece? Because I just did a little research in real time here. This is one of the powers of having great tools, is that I looked up how many leads we'd had in the last 30 days and how many enrollment requests we had in Airtable, because I can just do that with a click of the button. Thanks, Jess, to set it up. Um, And so I thought I would share that number. Um, So we have, in the last 30 days, uh, this probably isn't all of them, because it's not including 
you know, phone calls and random emails, but we had 135 leads in the last 30 days. Right. And Mm -hmm. we had 42 families that on their own requested an enrollment, requested a specific spot. Um, So it's kind of interesting to see there were 42 requests. There were, of course, a bunch of other enrollments that you did manually that where a family didn't actually handle it all on on their own. But I think that's kind of a fascinating number, almost, you know, like 40 percent of all the leads. These families manage the requests on their own for very specific spots in a class or with a teacher. Um, and I was just, you know, I was just looking like literally just, you know, today. I can, yeah. I so. can give an example of today that, that, um, or yesterday, something that happened. And I was like, wow, I'm just so happy <laughs> that we're using Airtable. There was a family that had reached out a couple few weeks ago. They wanted an online uh, voice lesson. And we have, um, very limited inventory for online voice lessons right now. Um, and it was, we just have a couple days available at most things were booked. And, and so I just kind of put them into, you know, in our CRM into, you know, reach back out later kind of bucket. And then she reached out to me. She's like yesterday, she's like, I saw that a four thirty spot on Tuesday just opened up. And I had, somebody had just moved from that spot, like to another time, like a couple hours earlier that day. So it had opened up. She saw it and, and then requested the spot and booked it, you know, within a couple of hours of it becoming available. Um, That's amazing. And I didn't have to do anything. And we have a waiting list and, um, you know, system and everything as well, but this all happened before I could even start on that. It was kind of immediate. Mm. So. Hmm. I think I'll have a follow-up question then. Um, so you've been really clear on, you know, why Airtable, I think just as a follow-up question, I would say that one of the complaints I hear and just from my own time and, and being a school owner, uh, at the beginning of the year, and this is, I know a really specific question, but I think it is helpful to dive in on a specific to kind of test the system, so to speak. I remember at the beginning of the school year, parents would hold out on scheduling. Um, uh, Maybe they have their child enrolled in a bunch of different activities and they're waiting for, you know, perhaps some team sports or some team activities to get their schedule back to them. And it would seem like, we would want scheduling to be taken care of by a certain time, but we, I had all these parents kind of holding out on me and, and I've gotten emails about this from other school owners as well. I know this isn't just me. Does this system in any way mitigate that problem? Does it have an answer to that problem? How does it deal with this problem? I'm curious if, I mean, or perhaps you do have that problem. Maybe that's just one of the things in our industry that is always going to be an issue. I'm curious what you all would say about that. We, I've had every single one of those conversations, so I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. Um, I will say we, we open up enrollment for the fall in May. Um, wow. And, and so, and there are certainly people who are like, I don't know what the soccer schedule is going to be, or, um, you know, I'm, my kid's starting at a new school and, you know, we're all that. Um, but, but we say, um, 
there are a lot of openings right now. And in August or September, when you know the answer to all these questions, there will be far fewer openings. So we recommend signing up now and making a change if you have to. And, and we've, um, our, our, we fill up our inventory almost entirely for our return, our returning teachers through returning students. Um, and then, you know, so what happens is the people who wait have fewer opportunities and I, and the way I think the system or fewer options to choose from, I think the way the system helps is we've kind of pulled back the curtain. Like we have said in emails, the whole time I've been doing registration, sign up now or, you know, spots go fast. And, you know, everyone says that and you may or may not believe it, but if they go into that Airtable view and they see every day that Ben's, you know, Ben had 10 openings on Monday and by Wednesday he has three, they're like, oh yeah, I have to do this now. And um, so I think that's where the system helps. It's just that they can really see it with their own eyes what's happening mm. you know jess you the back half of your title is communications and i think you're an absolute master of communications um i've totally changed the way i communicate with my families based on what i've learned from you and one of the things you always say is just the facts don't get mm -hmm. emotional just show mm -hmm. the fam parents exactly what's available exactly you know in, in daniel and nate speak exactly what we're promising in terms of what the lesson and the musician's journey will be. And that's it. And so when you say pull back the curtain, I think this just gave you another tool in your box to offer. Here's a link. You can see exactly how many spots Ben has left. And Ben is a perfect example. Ben or Davis, we have a whole bunch of teachers where they're going to be fully booked by the end of May for the next year. You know, And so these families they have access to the facts now. And, and, uh, I think that's one of the things you've taught all of us around communicating of just do it really, be really simple, be really factual. And then, and parents will respond, right? We don't need to use, you know, like there doesn't really need to be hyperbole, et cetera. There's just, here's the deal. You know, I wonder if you had any final thoughts you wanted to share with us uh, in terms of just, just this whole idea of how to wrap your head around. Cause I'm a little bit afraid of, honestly, I'm a little afraid a listener is going to come away being like, what I need to do next is subscribe to Airtable. Mm. And that's a sort of a dangerous episode, right? It's not the tool <laughs> that makes the difference though. It can certainly help, you know, is there something you could share around just sort of the broader mindset that needs to be there that maybe we haven't already touched on or sort of summarize your, your, from your perspective. I think the, I think we've talked around this, but I haven't said it as I think the reason it works for the parents, you know, I, I think we've talked about why it works for us on the school side of things, why it works for the parents is it puts, it gives them control. It gives them access to the information. Um, you know, we, we joked, you know, people know it's an air table. It, it, like they know what they're looking at and they can, I, I think that the, it creates a sense of, um, another layer of trust when we put it into their hands. And I actually said earlier that it was hard for us to do that. And now that we do, they're like, you know, they, they like to have control over their schedule. They see all the openings, they can pick it. And it just, um, I think I've, 
you know, this is kind of a hard to measure, but I, this year's enrollment season was very smooth. Um, mm. I, I there, you know, in the past there, there have always, and there's a little bit still, but less, a lot less of just trying to shuffle things around by 15 minutes because there was, you know, a mistake and this and that, or somebody thought they had, you know, because they're looking at the schedule and they're picking it, it's just, it, it was very, um, and, and they picked their spots themselves. Like, I think, um, it just, it created a confidence and trust mm. that came from giving the parents control of, of the information. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.